0: Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Connell. Danny Connell, back to throw, versus
1: down the and his tight end. And Rajah Bell.
0: Bell has got the 22
1: to Rajah. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man, he can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Connell and Rajah Bell. It is Friday. March Madness has officially started I forgot how crazy it is, and I don't know why, but it does feel like the best time of year when March Madness tips off. Like the games start early, people are at work, putting it online, uh, watching multiple TVs, you got multiple screens. It is a fantastic time of year. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I wasn't wrapped up
2: in it. I mean, I, we were doing our brackets, my kids and I, but I, I wasn't like full-fledged March Madness mode, and then it hit. And I was like glued to the couch while my kids were at school trying to figure out, you know, how many first round games I was going to lose. It was pretty cool. And then all hell broke loose last night and it just, I woke up this morning and I'm, I'm effed. My whole, I'm all, it's over. (laughs) Like it, it started, it was exciting and now it's over. I'm out.
1: See, I think you're you're giving up too early though, because I saw a stat that I think only two percent of brackets are intact. Like perfect still. Like everybody has that perception of oh my bracket is screwed, but everybody's in the same boat. So yeah. there's still hope for Unless it. Unless you still had Arizona you playing in the
2: championship game and then you're aft.
1: <laughs> yeah, then you're then you're pretty much screwed. Right. I you know what I need to do? I need to corrupt you a little bit because what makes March Madness even more fun, and this is this is the idea, you probably shouldn't listen to this advice. But it's gambling like I should get you to open an account and just put a little bit in it. Just a little funny money, like just some just something for fun. Just to get you a little a flavor uh, because it makes things so much more interesting And because like who cares when you're watching, uh, you know, Texas Tech versus Stephen F. Austin? Like who cares about that game unless you've got something on it? It makes things uh, that much more interesting uh, when it plays out. Side note. It was an awful day for me, and I did something you're never supposed to do in gambling because I lost um, I lost early. I had Oklahoma. I lost. I had Davidson. And then my count's getting low, so I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm going to go all in on Bama. And Bama came through for me, which we're going to get to that. We're going to do a recap of the whole tournament. Uh, let's get it started right now because one of the biggest stunners until last night late was your Miami Hurricanes, Raja. Let's have a listen. <laughs> One timeout, they don't take
0: it. Yeah. it. Oh my it. it
2: oh my and God. the Ramblers are moving on. Look, just, just, just for a little clarity here, right? Let so we can let everybody understand. I am a hurricane as it pertains to football. Oh. Basketball, there is no way I can be a hurricane. I played for FIU. We didn't have football at the time, so I was allowed to root for the hurricanes, right? There was no football program. So I care less about the Miami basketball program other, other than I had him going into the sweet 16. I mean, that screwed me also, but um, yeah, that's a tough beat. And you know, they lost uh, the kid Brown. Is it Bruce Brown? Um, he was supposed to be a top 20 pick and Lonnie Walker, top 20 pick losing him. He was the heart and soul. Lonnie's a freshman. That kind of, that really hurt them midway through ACC play. Um, but they just didn't, you know, look, Loyola's a tough team. My buddy Kenny Kelly called it. They went into Florida and beat Florida earlier in the season. They're really, really good defensively. Um, but Laronega, as good as he is, he has underperformed and his teams have in tournaments. Like, I should have known that. That's my bad.
1: So I was looking at it. I'm like, who the heck is Loyola Chicago? Uh, Chicago? Didn't even, like, never heard of this program. Was wondering what's going on. I had Miami pencil to make a pretty deep run. And then I'm looking for superstars from the game. And it wasn't even a player. It was Sister Jean.
0: (laughs) And when we were in the locker room ahead of the game, we just knew that we would do this. Our team is so great and they don't care who makes the points as long as we win the game. And I said, we want to win the big, get the big W up there. And we did.
1: So she's got a higher, she's got the, she's got the first, she's got God on speed dial, ready to dial up Loyola Chicago for a deep run. I get a little bit, um And look, I'm a Christian. I'm pretty open about my faith, but I get a little bit nervous when people like Sister Jean start dialing up the W's with God. Yeah. Because does he really care who wins? I would hope.
2: Who, I mean, he's got some bigger stuff going on than worried about <laughs> if University of Illinois Chicago beats Mike.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and then do you go to Sister Jean after they get bounced from the tournament and see what the prayer was that game? Right. <laughs> uh, no, but she it was pretty funny. She was all like she... Most like the lead with highlights was not the team; it was Sister Jean because she is like a cute old nun. Like she's 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 the she's the official mascot. So all right, so that was that was one loss, but it wasn't the biggest upset of the tournament so far. That was Arizona, and Arizona really was never in the game with Buffalo. It was ugly. They end up getting beat by uh twenty-one points, eighty-nine to sixty-eight. It was brutal, and this blew up. Talk about blowing up brackets. This one blew up a ton of people's brackets. I did multiple brackets. I don't know if you did, Raja. If you just did one, I did multiple. In one of them, I did have Arizona in the Final Four, so that one is done. But fortunately, for our purposes, for this podcast, I did not. But I think it's ugly. I think all the distractions caught up to him. Sean Miller, I think now it's an easier exit from the program. If there is more controversy, they can say, well, you underperformed. DeAndre Ayton had 14 he was 6-13 he you know he was good but clearly there's not enough around him and this is an ugly loss for not only for Arizona but the Pac-12 yeah
2: I think it speaks volumes um or or lack thereof if you will about the (laughs) Pac-12 this year I mean that's they've got no teams left in the field um that's pretty pathetic uh the Arizona situation I watched the first 15 minutes of that game before I fell asleep and um but let's be let's be clear. like Buffalo came to play. Buffalo was, and they're a good team. They had kids out there that weren't afraid. They were aggressive. When you play a team like an Arizona or a Duke or a, a Kansas, and you're a mid-level program, you, you can't come out there with any kind of fear in your heart. It has to be an aggressive. I'm taking the fight to you mentality uh, for the whole game. They shot 15 of 33s um, and and I believe Arizona was two for 18. So not only do you have to take the fight to them, but you have to be on your game and you have to catch one of those guys slipping. You're talking about DeAndre Ayton, who could be a top, you know, a top three pick. Alonzo Trier is probably a first round talent also. I don't know that you could say that about anybody on Buffalo. Um, but they brought the fight to Arizona. Arizona was sleepwalking. It was a it was a really pathetic performance. I think it was a two point game at half, and then there's no excuse for getting drilled by 20 if you're Arizona, but Buffalo, Buffalo did what you have to do if you're one of those mid-major programs and Arizona just was not ready to play. And Sean Miller, you know, again, you know, look, I'm not a college basketball coach and so I'm not trying to throw people under the bus all day today. But when your teams, two out of the last three years, you've had the teams like he's had, the pros like he's had, and you're not in the, the sweet 16, two out of the last three years. Has he been, what, what's the stat? Is it, is it, out before the round of 32 in two of the last three years. That's not very good. That's not good. And it's not just on the kids.
1: That's an ugly loss. That's one that's going to stick with him for a while. And you meant it's funny you say that because everybody was picking Arizona. They were a darling for the tournament. A lot of people had them deep. So I thought you're right. Like, they did overlook Buffalo. I think all they thought they had to do was show up. And I thought it was interesting because I was watching Ohio State, and they were playing South Dakota State. And they were in a dogfight. They ended up winning. They ended up pulling away late. I was dialed into it because I had the jackrabbits, you no, know, just side note. But when Chris Holtman was talked to after the game, they interviewed him on the court and he said, I just want to thank all the uh, professionals, you know, out there, the broadcasters, analysts who said we were going to get beaten this round. He's like, my players heard it. He's like, and I think he's, he's right. Like it's better. It's a better situation to be in as a coach when everybody's picking your team to lose because it'll piss them off and they don't want to. And so they kind of take pride in it as opposed to Arizona. You come up there and you show up and they think they can just go show up and they'll beat Buffalo and it ends up haunting them. So I think sometimes it's better if analysts and, you know, people on TV are questioning you for your run in the pro, in, in the tournament. Like you'd rather have that situation as opposed to what we saw with Arizona. I'd All like right. to give an extra special shout out to Danny Cannell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have been used there. That's what Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern before their bowl game where I had 40 points on them getting beat, which was the max you could put on them. Basically, I thought they were the worst team in the bowls. And I was wrong and he was right, which was good. So he owes me dinner for that, for getting their bowl game win. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, I again, another loser for me personally. This one hurt, but I don't think it hurt as bad as it did for Lon Kruger in Oklahoma. It was, I don't know if you saw this game. So I was dialed into this game. It was on like during the day. It was one of the early games, 1230 tip, watched it very closely. Um, Trey Young to me had a typical Trey Young game. But in saying that, he has to be more aware. I get that he's a player who's who's taken a lot of threes this season, but they get the game to overtime versus Rhode Island, and they're back and forth. And Rhode Island, they had a seven point lead at one time. Oklahoma did, and Rhode Island was hanging around, hanging around. They ended up taking the lead late, but it went to overtime. In overtime, two possessions, Oklahoma had the lead, like a one point lead, and they cross mid court. And I am not lying, Rajat. These were 35 to 40-foot three-pointers. He was on the logo. Yeah, I saw him. Like, am I crazy to think those are some of the worst baskets, the worst attempts you've ever seen?
2: Yeah, you are. Because (laughs) his teammates suck. (laughs) Come on. No, dude, look. (laughs) Hey, look, I I don't love a no-pass 30-foot three um, unless you can make no-pass 30-foot threes. And I agree with you in one regard, like, Two of them in a, in a row or two and three possessions is a lot. Shooting one of them up one, I don't mind. Like, you hit that, you're up four. And if you have capable weapons around you, and I've watched you through two halves give the ball up and, and people make plays and get buckets, then I will tell you to pass the ball. But what I watched was a kid in the first half you know, start off the game pretty hot and then start facilitating and people were making plays because he was spoon feeding people. He was getting them the ball right at the rim or right where they wanted it. And then the defense changed from Rhode Island just a little bit and he'd have to get off of the ball before he could make a play for a teammate. When that started happening, the rest of that team made absolute messes. They looked like babies sitting at their little like tables eating food. There was, it was a mess. It was an absolute like their food. It was, it was just. <laughs> NCAA basketball players shouldn't make messes like that. And so what I was saying during the game, like if this kid doesn't start playing the way he played earlier in the season, they're not even going to have a chance. And he, he did, it just wasn't like 40 foot bombs. He was going to the rack, but without him doing that, they, they just aren't good enough And it. You know, I wanted to be on your side a little bit with it because I agree like to play in the pro game, you know, when you have weaponry around you, you can't do that. Like you can't come down and just start squeezing from all over the place and, and have guys, you know, um, like JR Smith and, and Kyle Corver and, and, um, you know, you, you name it yeah. sitting over there like, dude, what are you doing? But in the absence of that, with the roster that he has, he had to do that or they did not have a,
1: a fighting chance in the game. I thought, so I'm still going to push back a little bit. Mm-hmm. There was one he took. It was like four seconds into the shot clock. Yep. And then I'm with you because in, because, and look, he's carried his team all year long. Like I don't want to knock him as a player because I like watching him play and I think he is going to be a ton of fun to watch. I think he is a really good shooter. I just thought he made a couple bad shots, but what brought them back and got them to overtime? Was him driving and was him dishing or him getting fouled and getting to the free throw line and knocking down his free throws. So I just, I just, I didn't love the last two shots, but I get it's what carried them all season. Like they've lived or died with Trey Young. And here's the,
2: and, here's the problem with that though. And I, and I agree with you. Like when he started scoring, it was going to the rack, but they were double teaming him off of every pick and roll. And Lon Kruger's offense was all pick and roll, dribble, handoff. And so it was introducing a secondary defender like every time. A guy that's his size, a freshman, you can't do that for forty, uh, forty-five minutes or forty-four minutes with the overtime. He's he, he's exhausted. Like he he hasn't come off the court. He's got the responsibility to handle on the ball every play. Um, it just wasn't the, the offense didn't help. It puts him in a position to kind of have to
1: do that sometimes. All right, you know who my favorite team in the tournament is? Who's that? Alabama, baby, roll <laughs> tide, roll. I just said because myself up. My and I like them going in. Like, I like them going in because of Con Sexton. I think they're a fun team to watch. I think they play with a lot of energy. I think he's a dynamic player. Uh, similar to Trey Young, not the best outside shooter is quite as good as him, but he does fill up, he does put up some points. Um, but they also came up big for me late and saved my, my bankroll in the tournament. Uh, coming up with impressive. It was a fun game to watch too with, with Virginia Tech. It was back and forth. It was tight to the finish. I have them beating Villanova, but it was one of those ones where I was looking for a uh, an upset in my right. bracket. I'm not going to go put money. I'm not going to I'm not doubling down on the bank account on that one just yet. Should do you think I should? Or do you think I'd be crazy to do that?
2: I think that you that personally, I think you'd be crazy to do it because Villanova's <laughs> right, I got Villanova winning it, but you know, Alabama's one of those teams. Like they got Avery Johnson, he was a coach of the year in the NBA, a great pro. I mean, a, yeah. And um like They've got – I watch them play. They've got a bunch of athletes, a bunch of guys that can get up, get after you, switch uh, defensively and still really not be in a mismatch. Um, they're strong. The problem with them becomes offensively at times. They don't shoot the ball great. A lot of them like to attack the basket. Like they play off the bounce. And so what they've done as of late is make shots. If they don't make shots – You know, they're in trouble, but you could say that for any team. If, if Villanova doesn't make shots, like you're gonna, you're gonna be in trouble. So they, they are, they are scary in that regard is that they're athletically gifted enough that when you put them out there on the court, they're never in a mismatch. You know, they're always an upper level, um, echelon athletic team. And it becomes about whether they can knock down some shots from the perimeter of everything they have to get, uh, comes at the basket. That's a hard way to live in the NCAA tournament.
1: Let me ask you something because I was watching the tournament. And I don't watch a lot of regular season basketball. I'll watch some of the bigger games. I'll watch, you know, I watch Trey Young a couple times. I watch Carolina Duke. I watch the Rover games. But I'm not watching two games a night. I thought the quality of basketball was really bad. Like, I thought there was some bad shooting. Like, people don't knock down open shots in college basketball. Um, Are, are you with me on that? Like, when you watch, do you ever get frustrated with college basketball and say, man, I wish they were better or I wish it was more fundamentally sound or – like what what are you thinking when you're watching the college game?
2: Yeah, there are times when I watch um but overall I thought it was all right. But there are times when I'm watching and I'm I'm watching the offenses that guys are running and I'm like god that's just a that's just a I mean why why would you run that? Like it it, it got like you run offense to get to put somebody in an advantageous position to score the ball. And I watch some of these teams run offense and they're basically like ships passing in the night until one guy gets it and goes one on one. And my question is like why run anything? Like why, you know what I mean? Like just space yeah. the floor and let him go to work. And so that's frustrating to me at times. But the overall skill level, um, from some of the kids, I actually found myself watching the other day and, and, and saying, man, like a lot of these kids are really, really good with the ball. And it kind of speaks to where we are with basketball. I don't want to hijack the conversation, but everybody now at the youth age, puts an emphasis and I do it too. I'm guilty of it. Like everyone wants to teach kids how to handle the ball, how to make plays off the bounce, how to do this, how to do that. It's what you see guys in the NBA that are celebrated doing. It's what you see James Harden doing. It's what Kyrie can do. It's what Dame Lillard and Chris Paul can do. Very few people are out there just shooting the ball, you know? And so I think that's reflective of kind of what you're talking about. You know, there are a bunch of guys that can handle it, make plays off the bounce. Those kids from Rhode Island can all go get it off the bounce. Um, but there are very few guys that can just stroke the ball. And, and yeah, that is a little absentee in, in this year's
0: tournament field. Danny, we I th- retweeted something yesterday. I wanted you guys to let me know if you think this is fair. This is from Mark Deeks NBA on Twitter. And he said, just because college basketball players make it look harder doesn't mean they're playing harder. Is that, is that fair, Raja? Yeah, they're not playing any hard. Like, college basketball players aren't playing any harder but than pros. But that's the reputation that they get because it's in college. And that's what I think they yeah, are. You
1: don't think they're playing harder? No, I don't. From, up, up, from nope. start to finish? No, I mean... dude You don't I, think NBA guys take it a little bit off in the first half? I mean, like look, it gets by, buckets
2: by, because they're 80-some games and right. you're playing every night, uh, you could make the argument. But over overall, no, I don't. Because I played in college games, too. And it wasn't like from the jump ball I was frothing at the mouth. I mean, it was... You know, you ease your way into a game. Game gets tight. Um, They, they. I agree with what he said. Like you make it look harder. They're not as good. You know, some people make things look effortless because it's just second nature to them. Like it's an easy thing for them. Um, But I don't. I don't believe that to be true. No, I don't. All
1: right. Give me the your quick evaluation. We talked a little bit about Michael, Michael Porter Jr. But give me your top three out of these three guys. Like rank these three guys. Okay. And we'll leave out Michael Porter Jr. because we don't know where his health is. But DeAndre Ayton, Colin Sexton, and Trey Young. Who's your top three? Like what order would you rank those guys?
0: Um Ayton. Um can we throw in Marvin Bagley?
1: Oh yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, all right.
2: Ayton, Marvin Bagley Jr. So Ayton's your number one. Yeah. Um, he's just big, really skilled. Um Just, I think he's a a bigger body than, than Marvin Bagley Jr. I like Marvin Bagley Jr., but I think Ayton is one of those rare, rare combinations of size and skill. Kind of Joel Embiid. I don't, he's not Joel Embiid, but kind of like that. It's just a rare thing to find guys like that. Marvin Bagley Jr. Um, and then I don't know Colin Sexton as well. I haven't watched him as much as Trey Young. So I feel like I'm being, I'm being a little biased because I've watched Trey Young a lot this year. He's been forced down my throat. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna take Trey Young because I think I think he sees the game. I think he plays with a little bit more um a little bit more savvy, a little bit more, you know, um of his head sometimes than Colin Sexton. And and I don't mean that in a in a disrespectful way. I think he just sees second and third level plays better than Colin Sexton does. And so he'll be more ready to physically he won't be as ready, but mentally I think he's more ready to play the game at the pro level.
1: All right. The best thing about Gambling, as opposed to just filling out brackets, as you can get right back on the horse because you yeah. got a full slate of games today. <laughs> so, speaking of Michael Porter Jr., he was limited in minutes in his game in the SEC tournament. How much do you think he'll play today against Florida State? Similar amount of time? Or do you think they'll let him go a little bit longer because it could be his last game? I think he'll play
2: in and about what he played, probably a little more. I don't know that you're going to roll him out there for 40 minutes. You always to the kid to protect him, I think, and make sure he doesn't hurt himself. Um, and 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 risk his future but he certainly is going to want to showcase they're going to need him and i you know i think a lot of it will be dictated by what kind of game they're in you know if they're in a, if they're in a tough one and they can use what he's got he'll play more if it's a blowout in either direction um you might not see him as much but i expect him to play well i don't think he's going to go off i i think he'll probably i think he'll probably be 15 to 20 i don't imagine they'd be super efficient because he's still trying to come back and find his timing But he's that good where he's going to wind up with between 15 and 20 of them. I have no read on whether they're going to win or not.
1: Yeah. I feel like he's, it's such a wild card because of his health, because he's played so little, but that terrifies me. Like I feel like on the upside, he could totally carry the team and get some big buckets. Like they could, they could manage his minutes and have him play like the last 10 minutes of the game. He could be the difference maker Uh, or he'd come out there and look rusty because he hasn't played at all and he ends up not playing that much. So I'm, I'm very nervous about that game, but you know what game I'm excited about? tell me our boy Dan D'Antoni okay let's go Marshall baby Heard. let's go we are because they, they're they the original we are right yes, right Debo yeah <laughs> see that no Penn they State are hijacked them for him that's right all right let's get to uh let's get to our favorite segment of the day except our girl Hannah is out so we got somebody filling in
0: here's what's happening with Hannah slash <laughs> Debo yeah <laughs> Tom Crean will make his return to the coaching sidelines in Athens as the former Indiana and Marquette head coach is set to be hired by Georgia. Crean has spent the past year as a college basketball analyst for ESPN. Following nine seasons with the Hoosiers and nine with the Golden Eagles, Crean will sign a six-year deal worth $3.2 million annually. The Bulldogs last made the tournament in 2015.
1: Really pumped up for this, not only from a basketball standpoint, but I'll give you a quick story. I tweeted it out. So I had never... Met Tom Crean when I was working at ESPN, except for one time, and it was after he was fired and he was doing some stuff at the final four. He came on my old radio show, we interviewed him, and I talked to him you know five, ten minutes before the interview, five, ten minutes after the interview, and we go our separate ways. When I was laid off from ESPN about a week after, I get a text from a number, it's like, "Hey, this is Tom Crean, just checking in on you. How are you doing? And I'm like, hey, thanks. And he's like, how's your family? How's your wife? How's your kid? You know, like, how are you doing? And I was, you know, I started texting him. So for about the next three to four months, I would get motivational text, checking in text from Tom Crean on the regular. Like, and it was, a, it was really cool just to see somebody who kind of was looking out for you and checking in on you. And really without any prior relationship, it was just a genuine kind of, He was being a nice guy and just checking on somebody, and I really appreciate that. So now I'll be one of the biggest Georgia Bulldog basketball fans you'll ever see because of that.
0: So speaking of returns, Tiger Woods is back in action today after shooting a 4-under-68 in the opening round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational, highlighted by a 71-foot birdie putt. Woods is tied for seventh with the leader, Henrik Stenson, firing an 8-under-64 on Thursday. Hard to top that. Tiger has won eight times at Bay Hill, and although it's been a decade since he last captured a major championship, Eldrick, now the favorite to win the Masters.
2: Jesus, what do you do with (laughs) that? The favorite to win the Masters. I thought it was interesting after the the tournament where Tiger was asking reporters to kind of temper their expectations a little bit, and he was asking them to reflect on the questions that they were asking not more than two weeks ago and how drastically they've changed in that amount of time. Um, I think that speaks to him a little bit and where he is personally, you know, like uh, the the headspace that he's in the, the, uh, the appreciation for where he's at and, and, and his, his, uh, you know, his want, if you will, to, to kind of soak it up and enjoy the ride a little bit more, make it a little bit more fun than it was for him in the past. He's clearly playing great golf though, Danny, like you can't, he, he's playing great. I don't know that he's going to get it done this week. If Henrik Stenson is firing 64s, you know, Tiger's playing great and could still like, playing phenomenal and could still be four or five back at the end of the week if those are the numbers uh, that Stenson's going to hang. But Stenson was was pretty pedestrian last week, so I figure he comes back to the field. Uh, I still don't want Tiger to win this, though. I want him to be right there in the mix, like second or third,
1: um, and, and then go back to the drawing board before Augusta. I'm totally with you. I don't want him to win now because I want him to win at the Masters. I I think the course was very gettable. Like I think there were a lot of low numbers, but – this is like, I don't think he into like the question is, is Tiger back? Is he back? I don't think there's any question he's back. And some people are saying, well, he has to win. He has to win a major. No, he's putting up numbers. He's competing on Sunday. He's in the mix, which is all I need to see. Like he is back. It's only a matter of time before he wins a regular um PGA tour event. Yeah. The greater question is, does he win the major? Which I don't know, but I think he gets it. And if you're a gambler, do not touch him at eight to one odds because the field is always the safer play. Like that is dumb money. If you could have got him, which was and Tiger referenced, I think it was a week, you know, two or three weeks ago, you could have got him at thirty, thirty-five to one, or even longer. Yeah, take that shot. But at eight to one, don't even touch that. That's ridiculous. So if Tiger's going to be back
2: healthy and you could tell that his golf game is ba- it, it, it's back, like fundamentally sound. He doesn't have to be, you know, the, the leader uh, going into every weekend. But he's fundamentally sound. He's in the mix. I would imagine. I mean, once he wins one, like that's all golf needs. Like we want to see him win, but golf just needs him there, relevant in the conversation, yeah. fighting for, fighting for, for tournament wins. And I imagine that if he's relevant for long enough, he figures out how to win. And once he wins a tour event, let alone a once he wins a tour event, um, I would
0: imagine he gets that that 18th major. So from the biggest star in golf to the biggest star in the NBA, so Yusuf Nurkic played his rookie season alongside Timothy Mozgov in Denver. R.I.P. <laughs> Apparently he didn't learn anything from his vet. LeBron James dunked him into absolute oblivion last night. One of the best in-game dunks of LeBron's career. This is one of those times where we wish the podcast was on video. But let's be real, you guys have seen it. LeBron's played nearly fifty-two thousand NBA minutes and keeps doing things like this.
2: Uh, he's a freak. Like athletically, he's a freak. Um, yeah, you look foul him. Like, why would, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, you're not trying to hurt anybody, but I'm not going to just jump and get in your poster, right? Like, like that's like a, that's just basically a photo bomb. What's like, the worst you ever got dunked on? I didn't get dunked on. I
0: didn't.
1: Oh, no. Debo, find video. I didn't Fine get, was like a challenge. YouTube
0: clip that says, Kobe Bryant posters Raja Bell, but it's not a poster. No, like I didn't, I wasn't running over there trying to, I wasn't right. a shot
2: blocker. Yeah. So I wasn't really like getting my hands in the way of somebody dunking. And to my point about you, so like, if you're a shot blocker, and somebody's up in the air going to dunk don't hop in that poster bro go get his arm go foul him don't let him bang on you a couple other topic a couple other quick notes the lebron um uh, nike box ones like the first nike box the orange ones he wore last night yeah they were all right they were all right they were right and <laughs> a couple nights ago the 1 foot um did you guys see the 1 foot windmill in phoenix when he yeah. was on the break that yeah. was dumb too. That was a silly. That was a silly dunk too. I think he's taking out his frustrations from his team on the uh, on the rim.
1: I would have made the business decision and just gone the other way, like what Blake Griffin did a couple weeks ago. I forget when it was. There was a break coming down the lane, and he like took the wingman, even though it like he should, totally should have taken the guy driving. Right. I would have liked done that. I would have done a little sidestep. Like yeah, you go ahead, you're LeBron. Take your, you know get your get your photo, but I'm not going to be in it.
0: So Ben Simmons, part of LeBron's agency, maybe. Future teammate, but remember a few March madnesses ago when Simmons wasn't playing in the tourney and some said he lacked what it took to be great? Um, last night he joined Magic Johnson and Oscar Robertson as the only rookies to record 1,000 points, 500 rebounds, and 500 assists in their rookie season, all while notching his eighth triple double in the Sixers' 118 110 victory over the Knicks. But he didn't lead LSU to the tournament. No, he's a bad man though.
2: I mean, and he's a ba- <laughs> he's a bad man and he's a baby. Like, I, you, some people would argue that he's shooting with the wrong damn hand. I mean, that's how that's remarkable, awesome. that's how remarkable what he's doing is. Um, here's what I'll say though, and I want to, he hadn't won anything. Um, and so I think when you're talking about number one picks in the draft, the conversation isn't whether or not he can notch a bunch of triple doubles in the NBA. And I'm a Ben Simmons fan. Like I, I, I don't care that he didn't make the tournament in the NBA. Or, but, but here's what you will talk about with general managers. Like when you're spending a number one overall pick on a kid, it's not always enough to be just filling a stat sheet and a great player. It's got to be someone who can fill a stat sheet, be a great player, and win. And I think the jury's still out on that. And that's, I think that's fair. I mean, he's remarkable, yeah. and I think he's only getting better. But the jury's
0: still out on that one. Sixers currently the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. Derek Carr won't be throwing to Michael Crabtree in Oakland next season. He will be throwing to Jordy Nelson. Nelson spent the first 10 seasons of his career as a Packer. He could spend the next few as a Raider after signing a two-year, $15 million deal with $13 million of that guaranteed. John Gruden and company also add Doug Martin to the Oakland backfield.
1: We're getting close. This is the set, though. That So he's getting 13 guaranteed out of the 15 reported, Debo? Yep. That's like we're getting close to seeing more fully guaranteed guaranteed money. I know it's not as big as Kirk Cousins, you know, 80 plus guaranteed money, but that's a good sign for NFL players. If they're starting to get more guaranteed money up front. I thought this was interesting because Jordy gets cut. It was Aaron Rodgers' favorite guy. Does it tick off Aaron Rodgers to the point where, you know, when he's doing his contract extension? Is is there any tension left over there? And I think it potentially could be if Jordy Nelson goes with Derek Carr and John Gruden and starts lighting up teams out there, playing across from Amari Cooper, he won't have to be the focal point of the offense, which I think will open up better matchups for him on the outside. So something interesting to watch there uh as the season plays out. All and right, let's do some. Hold, some up, hold N- up, hold up, hold yeah, up, hold, yeah, hold up, hold up, hold
2: up, hold up. I got something for you. I was listening to Joe Rose, my man, on the way in this morning. Yeah. Do you know what NFL player made twenty-eight? and a half million dollars today with the roster bonus?
1: Ooh, no, I don't. Don't tell me Ryan Tannehill. Nope. Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, <laughs> so today was the payday. Today was the like, payday. This is when baby. it came full. 28. That's <laughs> such a great feeling. Uh, that's such, I'm so jealous. Like that's I, so... I got one sizable check, one sizable check yeah. in the NFL and it was like, I wanted to frame it, keep it. Like it is the best feeling in the world <laughs> to get that. That's and amazing. it was like, it was nowhere close to 28 million, but it just feels that good. I mean, it's, it's anybody. It's just on different levels. Like if you ever get a bonus at your work or you get commit, you know, like something, it just feels good to get that yeah, extra. Dog. Big oh, checks, man. big checks. Big checks. Must be nice. Uh, you know who's not getting any more big checks? Uh, well, actually, he might if he's the uh, voice of Monday Night Football. But Joe Thomas, longtime uh, tackle for the Cleveland Browns, has been an outstanding player. Uh, you know, has started so to over 10,000 consecutive uh, games uh, or snaps played. He's been insane. He decides to hang it up, which is bad news for us. You know why, Raja? Tell me. He's in the podcast game, and he's doing pretty good. Like he's got a pretty good podcast. Shout out to Joe Thomas. We respect those. We don't hate on anybody else in this business. One uh, of three but-
0: podcasts I believe that have that feature two retired athletes. Right. Who's but he, we who? have
1: we have multiple we have multiple sports. Yeah, we covered. cross sports. Who's he with? They're
0: all football. He's with. What's Hawk. That? Andrew Hawkins. Not AJ Hawk.
1: Right. Yeah, Andrew Hawkins. Right. They do a really good job. They're we funny. also have
0: competition from Carlos Boozer and Nate Robinson have a pod together. Oh, what the? Again, the pod? To his yeah. Sport. Hey, Danny, what? we should challenge them to a two-on-two. Which one? Me, me no, me
2: and you, Nate and C. Booze. Oh, really? Let's get it
1: you, get it, you got that much confidence in my game? In your game, yes,
2: not mine. Clearly not mine. <laughs> Who are you guarding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good <laughs>
1: there could be a severe mismatch there. Oh, I like it. Let's do it. And I want to get, I want to get Joe Thomas on our podcast. I think it'd be a good guest. Um, all right. So AJ McCarron was the last quarterback out on the street, really. I felt like he was the odd man out. He signs with the Bills because the Bills were desperate, uh, to find a quarterback after they traded away Tyrod Taylor. I don't think it changes anything for the Bills. I still think they're going to draft a quarterback. They traded up for the 12th pick. I think they'll still, I think there still might even be movement if they, cause they have to find somebody. I don't. I don't think AJ McCarron is a long term answer for them. So I I would expect they might even trade up during the draft. But I feel like AJ McCarron in mentally took a hit because I think he thought he was going to make a lot more money. And then when he got to the open market, he realized or he came to the rough realization that he wasn't going to get as much. I think he got six million, uh, you know, like three million this year. So it wasn't the big payday that I think he was hoping for.
2: Um, yeah, that's tough. I had that situation, um, after my first, after my stint in Dallas in 2002, 2003, I believe my agent had told me a number that he thought we should be getting, which is like number one. Like, like it was tough and we didn't come anywhere close to it. So that's tough. But what you have to do, um, and what I had did to do. Did you stick was,
1: with your agent after that?
2: Yeah. I, I, I did, um, because I just, there weren't any offers out there. Like he, like we, my, what I had done and it was my first realization, unfortunately, that in the NBA, you know, Probably it's pro sports, but specifically the NBA because they like you can be on the court and only do one job, right? Like so, I'd be on the court and you just defend. Like we don't want you. You don't need to shoot. Like we got guys to do that. Just defend. I did it at a really high level. I started on a Western Conference Championship team. Like more than half of the games, there were some good players on that team, but no one would pay me any money because I didn't score the ball. So when I went to Utah, I just had to refocus. I had to say, all right, now you got to keep defending, but you have to show people that you can put it in the basket. And then and then I was okay. Like people started to. You know, there were some offers the next time around the block and, and whatnot. But back to AJ, like it's just tough because you do have to have a little – like it kind of humbles you really quickly, puts you back into perspective, you know, where you are in the pecking order of quarterbacks or players in whatever league you're in, and then you got to get back to work.
1: Quick, uh, the good news for AJ McCarron is he'll probably get his opportunity to play meaningful playing time, which he hasn't had. He's had three starts. He hasn't played that much. He'll get that opportunity where he can showcase his skills, and maybe he will get paid. You got, Like he's one of the guys – that and, unlike a Chase Daniel who has made a fortune not doing anything if i sound bitter it's cuz i am and i'm not <laughs> mad at him for doing it but i like it's he's been stealing uh but like AJ McCarron is actually going to have to go out there and play to earn some of those paychecks all right i'm going to run through five teams real quick we'll do a little rapid fire after the moves they've made are they a playoff team in 2018 all right you ready for this yeah all right buffalo bills yes Oh, you're crazy. There's no way. <laughs> All right. I think they got, I think they're gonna get worse.
2: I'm gonna right. go and I'm gonna do opposite.
1: Okay. All right. <laughs> Cleveland Browns.
2: Um you say yes, I still say no.
1: Oh, uh, they're gonna make the playoffs next year. It's a big turnaround season. San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy G, twenty eight million dollars richer today. Are yes. they a playoff yes. team? You say yes? I say yes. All right, good, because I say no. I think I still think they're a year away uh from, from breaking through. And I think Seattle's gonna get better. Uh, I think they're uh, Arizona's making a lot of changeups at quarterback. So we'll see about that one. All right, Denver Broncos. Yes. Yeah, I think I think yes too. I like, I, like, I think the Broncos. Too. That's one that we agree on. Chicago Bears.
2: I, I do believe Trubisky in year two. I think yeah. I say yes.
1: Ooh, and the addition of Allen Robinson giving him some weapons on yeah. the outside. I'm going to say no. Tough division. I think Mitch Trubisky's still young. I got to see some more from him.
2: I want to go back to my number one and say no. To the Bills? Yeah, I do because I like, – They're I, playing
1: the Patriots division. Yeah. Like they, they're not going to win the division. I mean that's been owned by the Patriots. They might get a wild card. No, never I'm know, saying no. I'm changing that. that. No. All right. All right. It's Friday, so you know what time it is. We take your questions. Anything off topic, we love them because you put them in our five-star uh, uh, reviews on iTunes. Make sure you go do that. Leave us that five-star review. Ask us anything, and we have to answer as you'll find out from some of these. So, Debo, what do we got? Five
0: Star Q and A.
1: This one from Drew NLK.
0: So guys, when is the K and B and Bell merch gonna be released? Would totally
1: love to wrap the show around campus. Ooh, all right. So what do we got? We need we need to hit up our bosses for this one, right? Because if it was up to us, we would have had it two months ago. What are we thinking? What type of merch? Hats, t-shirts, uh, that's all that's all you need. Hoodies. What are you thinking? Hoodies? I need a hoodie. Oh. You know I need a hoodie,
2: bro. I come in here, I need a hoodie.
1: I'd love some hoodies, except it's about to be spring in Florida, South Florida. It's going to be 90 degrees out, but so, I'll take hoodies all day. Like I would rep some hoodies. Absolutely. Debo, we'll right? can you push the ball? Can you push the powers that be and make this happen? Yeah, we can do a
0: collective effort. <laughs> you might have a, you might have a little more pull, but we'll work on to, it. I
1: get to design the hats because I have I'm a very specific hat taste that I like. I know snapbacks are in, but I like the, uh, the flex fit. On the, the, back. the dad hats, as they call no, them. No, not the. I like the like the dad hats are kind of the flat ones up top, like they're not very high. I like them like a little bit more formed up top.
0: Drew, we're working I'm very on it, specific. man. We're yeah, working good, on it. Good, good stuff, Drew. This one from Dan Can Twenty One. Can I please get Raja to comment on how terrible Lonzo's shot and shooting percentage are? And are you guys concerned? This one goes in depth about Big Baller Brands' Better Business Rating. And the fact that they weren't paying the company that was making their T-shirts, would love some feedback on this because I feel like I'm the only one not fooled by LeVar and his gimmicks. I don't know about that, Dan. <laughs> 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 okay, Dan can. Um,
2: yeah, I really can't speak to the big baller brands' uh, business ethics. I, I hear they're, they're not. Better
1: Business Bureau, like there yeah. actually is a rating, and it's, it's awful. awful. It's right? awful, right? Yeah, it's like no one has given them one star. Like, it's all zero stars.
2: But I guess my thing would be, like, what did you expect? Like, I never thought, like, the big bowler brand was going to be this. I mean, did you? Did you think they were going to, like, crack into the market and be this, like...
1: I'm actually surprised at how much success they've had, and it's not that much success. I'm actually surprised they've actually... Got a shoe to market.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty. That is remarkable. But I expected it to be a pretty poor shoe, and and if I'm being honest, I probably expected the customer service and the shipping. I expected the whole thing to be a, a a poop show. Um, his shooting, Lonzo's shooting, is pretty bad. Like the the form itself is is pretty bad. But what I'll say about shots, Dan, is like they're all unique. They're like golf swings or like snowflakes. They're like you know they're everyone's got a different one, and there's no. There's no correct way. Like I work with my kid right now trying to teach him how to shoot the ball, and there are things that I think are really important in a shot. And when I watch my sons try to shoot it the way I want them to shoot it, it doesn't look natural for them. So then I've got to, like, scrap maybe one piece of it and just get to the heart of the most important part. Let the, let everything else be their own, and then make sure that their elbow is at the rim and their release is to the rim. And so you can't really – You can't really always take a guy and make him exactly what you want him to be. What he needs to do is rep that shot out. And I've said it over and over again, shoot that shot a million times this summer. Shoot it a million times to where, you know, yes, it's an ugly shot, but it's in your mouth. Every time I pull it up, it's in the bucket. It's wet. So yeah, it'll still be ugly, but it'll be an ugly shot that hits the
0: bottom of the net and ain't nobody, you know, nobody's going to have a beef with that. Lonzo shooting 36% from the field, 32 from three right now. This one from Jay Rehor. What is everyone on the podcast's dream vacation? Oh, Danny, go ahead. I,
1: I was actually talking about this last night. Uh, I was with some, some my nephew at a bar. We were watching the Davidson game. We were talking about traveling because they're young. They can't travel. I did a lot of traveling. While, like, or When I was single, I went to Europe by myself, did a little backpacking thing. When I was married, my wife and I traveled before we had kids. My dream vacation, if I would recommend a place to anybody, so I've been to a lot of places. I have not been to Bora Bora. That's a place that I want to go to. But if you haven't been to South Africa, you need to go. Like that is a dream vacation. Cape Town is an incredible city. And if you can afford it, do it and do a safari. And I'm not talking about one where you go kill the animals. If if hunting's your thing, more power to you but I did the viewing one and it was insane like to see the wildlife and the lions and like everything elephants were the I was more scared of elephants than I was the lions um but it was uh it's really an experience and the people in uh South Africa were amazing too
2: um my wife that's her dream vacation and we had it go. we were going basketball without borders and we had had so much trouble getting pregnant we had it all locked up with the, with with this you know camp we were staying out in the like in the middle of the safari and this like five star the NBA really laid it out my wife finally got pregnant, and I had to cancel the trip because I didn't want to risk the pregnancy. I don't think she's forgiven me to this day because we've never gotten we've never gotten back there. Bora Bora is on my list too. I'm the dude though that like my dream vacation is always somewhere tropical, yeah. uh, somewhere laid back, beautiful water, <laughs> tiki hut, like right over the water. Um, and then we get there, and I'm bored out of my mind, like because I can't sit still, you know. Like so, my dream vacation now is like going somewhere really cool with my wife. Let her go to the spa and hang out. I go play a bunch of golf, and then we get back together at night and go out and eat and drink and have a good time. I have to have something to do or, like, I'm out of my mind.
1: I'm with you. I need activities. I need stuff to do. Right. right.
0: Hannah texted in, and she said Oklahoma City is her dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one from one of Hannah, Hannah's favorites, uh, from Maeve Pitch. What was your go-to horse shot?
2: Oh, my go-to horse shot. Uh I have a couple. It depends on who I'm playing with, but I like to shoot from behind the basket. Um, and not, not just like the one that everybody shoots where you're like right behind it and you shoot it over the top. Like I like to shoot like threes, like NBA threes from like three or four steps out of bounds and get it over the corner of the, it's a really tough shot. Um, I also have one where like I'm running straight at the baseline from, from the wing and I'll shoot it off of one leg. So on the, on the left side of the court, I'll jump off of my left leg and shoot a left leg runner or, if you want to take it up a step, if you need to make it harder, you shoot it off of your right leg running out of bounds on the left side, and you do it on either side. Eddie House and I used to have some, like, if we need to have Eddie House. Eddie House is phenomenal. The Casa, get him on. Casa is phenomenal. And we used to have some every every shoot around for a whole year, we played out. We played OU2. It wasn't horse. We played out every morning. And they used to be some some poop talking, knock down, drag out, whole team watching type of, like, uh, horse type of games they were really cool who got the so my, my similar... I, he'll tell you he
1: did but I think I did <laughs> my fit fa- I like the one you were talking about like I like the out of bounds but not from behind the basket because I, li- I like to typically put a lot of arc on my shot so it doesn't throw me off that much like I like putting a lot of arc on it but my latest go-to shot and this is where the trick shot comes into play is if there's a court outside or in an arena and there's a bench or some stands that are relatively close to out of bounds, I'll stand on the bench, jump off the bench and make it from out of bounds. Nice. Cause it gives you added range. <laughs> right, right. And it like, it's a tough shot. Right, right. Now I'm probably, I would, two of 10 is probably pretty lofty. One of 10 is more realistic. So I'd be sitting there all day and probably getting schooled, but if you're missing shots, eventually I'm going to make that one and get a, so, get a, get a letter.
2: Let me, so here's my philosophy when I play horse. I, I like to just make shots. Yeah. Like I don't, I like,
1: to, I like I'm a hero ball. Yeah. Like
2: you're <laughs> right, but that's fine. Like some, like I, but I'm the dude who like, I'm going to make a million 15 footers off the glass. Like just, yeah. you know, elbows, free throws, like just different stuff. Cause eventually somebody's, you know, somebody makes a mistake. I just
0: try to make as many shots as I can. Danny, I feel like you used to be like a through-the-legs layup guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would try that. That was definitely one of mine. All
0: right, our final five-star question, of course, as always, leave your questions with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we promise to answer them. I was going to table this one, Danny, but Raja just showed me his list. He wrote it down on his rundown. So from CB Morning, playing a dodgeball game, 5v5, Danny versus Raja, who are your four other teammates you're picking in any sport? Raja came prepared. Yeah, I'm ready to wow. go. I gave a little bit all of right, thought this to this
2: one. Um, forgive me, cause I would have went with all baseball players, like I would have went with all like super athletic shortstops and outfielders that have cannons, but I don't know baseball that well, so.
1: Baseball the players aren't that athletic. Don't let them fool you. But some of those short, <laughs> some
2: of those shortstops are though, right? Some of those dudes yeah. in the hole that are making like, um, but anyway, I went with Isaiah Thomas from the Lakers. Really small, super athletic. Um, I went with Russell Westbrook, uh, another basketball, he's my two basketball guys, like, Phenomenal athletic specimen. And then I went to football guys, Lamar Jackson, because uh, he's got a cannon and he's super shifty. And Russell Wilson for the same reason.
1: Ooh, those are good. So I did not have as much prep as you did. So I'm going to go. I, I can't believe you didn't give your boy any credit. I'm going Steve Nash. Shifty. No,
2: bad back. Not fast. <laughs> Come on, bro. Steve, Steve. Hey, listen. Steve
0: Nash in 2018 or Steve
1: Dude. Nash in
2: 2005? <laughs> he okay. He's going to kick the ball at you?
1: <laughs> yeah, he can catch. though. he can throw, can't he? I mean, he's a yeah, good he can assist. throw. No, he's a, he's
2: a great athlete. He's a great
1: athlete. All right, so I'm I figured quick feet, like shifty. You know, he won't get hit. You can catch him if they do. I went. Uh, I must have gone too far back on some of these. I went Michael Vick. Oh
2: yeah, because yeah. like yeah. that's my yeah. that's
1: the equivalent of the Lamar Jackson. Yeah. So like that'd be a great matchup. Like to just kind of if you had a defender like say those two go at it. Um, let's see who else am I missing? I'm gonna get who's um I'm gonna get a Rolleas Chapman. All right, because he's going to be like the closer in the back who's just going to whip a ball like 110 at you, who can throw it over 100 miles an hour. So I'm just going to have like that guy. And then I need somebody with some good hands just to get some outs. I would go with Odell Beckham Jr., but I don't want to have to drug test. (laughs) I'm gonna go. <laughs> this this league, this game has no drug test. This isn't like dodgeball, bro. <laughs> really. Is it like globo Jim? Right, I'll take Odell, I'll take ODB. I'm taking Odell Beckham Jr. as my team. Although I hope I'm worried about team chemistry now if I have him on the squad. But we have good <laughs> we have good veteran leadership with all these older guys we'll on the squad.
0: Put a poll on the Twitter page at Canell and Bell whose team would win. <laughs> yeah, dude. I feel and like he's forget. got Steve
2: I feel like he's got my man Steve he loses.
1: Don't forget who has the better arm out of Raja and I either.
2: I can catch no. <laughs> you do have a great arm, but I'm a ca- I got a- good
1: hands, too. I got good yeah, hands, too. It. All dang right. It. We'll post that on Twitter uh, at Canel and Bell and Instagram at Canel and Bell as well. Uh, thanks for checking us out. hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the March Madness. Don't get too upset if your bracket gets busted because everybody's in the same boat. Uh, make sure you go download, subscribe to us on, uh, at Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you can find podcasts. That's where we are. Leave us that five star review. We just did our five star Q and A. It's a ton of fun. We love getting feedback from you guys. So we really appreciate it and good luck this weekend. Hopefully get some winners.